Y'all doing well? Yeah, the band cutting up a little bit today. Joel cutting up a little bit today. Huh? Man, what a great day. Y'all did an excellent job. Y'all always do. Look at here. Look at all the kids that are going. Kindergarten through sixth grade. Look at that. I mean, come on. That, that is incredible. Look at that. Man, half the church just left. Half of them, man, that's all right. I like it. You know, we do children's church uh, so that they can learn about Jesus on their level. Um, I know a lot of people, if you like to keep your kids in here, that's fine. There's not a problem with that. But we, have a, uh, we just have a feeling. We have a desire. We have a passion to let them learn about Jesus on their level. Sometimes we expect them to come to church and listen, and that'd be like sending, you know, a kindergarten to Jones. You know, it's, they're just not there yet, and so they're learning some of the fundamentals, some of the stories and things, and man, it's such a good thing. I love that we have children's church, and uh, Beth does such a good job with that. Y'all make sure y'all thank her. She lines people up, and man, it's just good. All right, a few things before we really get started in this. Um, one, next week, starting next week, we're going to start taking up gifts. Last week, we, um, or not last week, last year, we worked with Brother Carlos, that's Kat's father cat that sings up here, and he has a church, he's a pastor of a church, a uh, Hispanic church, and um, in his community, there's some places, some kids who uh, need some gifts, and so we want to provide those gifts, and we'll partner with Brother Carlos, and some of his people will go with us, um, really to help him do some outreach for his church, and so we're going to be taking up gifts starting next week, and here's a table over here, we're going to just, when you get here, you can just place them on the table, table. we ask that you wrap them. And that you put on the outside, if it's a boy's gift, put boys and the age. Boys, age 12. Girls, new, newly born, stuff like that. Newborn, newly born, whatever. Anyway, so put that on the outside so that we can know what it is. And if you don't want to bring it unwrapped, that's fine. We'll have a day where we wrap. But this will also be a time for us. One thing that we ask uh, if you don't know anything else to get, the one present, the one gift that was in the biggest demand last year were soccer balls. And so if you think about it, get a soccer ball, it'd be great. Just go and go with the family, go to Academy, go to Walmart, order it on, whatever you're going to do, go together as a family, pick it out, and then wrap it up and bring it. And we're going to have them over on the table so we can be thinking about it, be praying about it, because we want the Lord to go ahead of us. We don't want to just give this gift, we want this gift to be given to open the door so that they can accept Jesus. Okay, and so we're going to have it on the table over here. So be thinking about it. What, what is it that you would like to bring? And so I'm excited about that. In two weeks, we're going to, uh, David and Linda, they're going to come and David's going to share with us. He's the, uh, what we're going to be doing in the uh, area of missions, really outside of the United States. He's going to be leading up uh, teams to go different places, and so he has several places in mind. Here's what he wants us to do. He wants us all to go get a passport. And we're like, what? Why me? Because if the Lord calls you to go, it takes four months to get a passport now, three to four months, something like that. And if the Lord calls you to go and the trip's three months out, you out of luck. So you have to be ready, and I like what he says, you got to be ready in season and out of season. Just because you have a passport doesn't mean the Lord's going to call you. But if the Lord calls you, you need a passport. Right? So get, go get a passport. Go get ready. I have a passport, and I don't know this. Uh, I didn't know this until recently. If it's six months to, before it expires, it's no good. They won't let you use it six months out. 
I guess they plan, you know, I guess they think you're going to stay for six months or whatever. But anyway, so um, if you have one and it's six months out, you need to go get you a new one. Go get you a new one. Uh, but be ready. So I've got to do that one uh, before Christmas. I'm going to work on that. The whole family will get one. The worst thing that happened, you have a passport and you can go on a cruise one day. I mean, I mean that's terrible. Oh, first world problems. Anyway, so... Um, but what if God calls you? I'm excited about that. So we're going to be doing ministry here in your Jerusalem, in our Jerusalem, Laurel, and also to the ends of the earth, just like Jesus has called us to. And so um, I'm excited to see what God's going to do. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I am so glad that you're all here, and we are going to continue in our sermon series. You asked for it, but this is youth edition. These are questions that our students have asked. Last year we did the the questions that are most asked by students around the whole United States. Today, this is more specific. These are questions, or this is a question that one of our students asked specifically. And the question is, how do I deal with temptation? And it will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So, so how do I deal with temptation? When you hear this question, man, it, it actually gives me some hope. That our younger students, that our students are asking, our younger people, our younger adults even, are asking, how do I deal with the temptation? Because, uh, you know, sometimes, and it, when we were, when I was this age, and some of y'all were there with me, uh, when we were younger, we didn't even ask the question of how to deal with temptation. We just went to the deep end of the pool and did a cannonball in. You know, we just, we didn't try to, we, we really didn't even try to fight against temptation a lot. And so this is encouraging for me that students are saying, I want to deal with temptation. I want to resist temptation. I want to follow Christ. So this is huge. Also wrapped up in here are lots of other things, okay? Uh, other things that could be asked in this or connected to this is, how do I deal with temptation because I've fallen and I have guilt over the times that I've fallen, over the times that I've gone against God, over the times that I tried to do the right thing, but I did the wrong thing. So in that is this idea of guilt also. And so there, there's more to this in how do I deal with temptation. It's how do I deal with temptation and really the results of temptation when I fall. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 really to answer this question, those, those questions that are connected. So let's look. It says in verse 12, So be careful. When you think you are standing firm, you might fall. You were tempted in the same way all other human beings are. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted any more than you can take. But when you are tempted, God will give you a way out. Then you will be able to deal with it few things there that we need to look at first. Number one, we are all weak. Every one of us are weak. And really, this is what this passage is saying, that we're weak. That really, a lot of times we think that we can stand temptation. Like, we are more powerful than the temptations that come our way. But what we see here, really, we're not. In verse 12, it says, be careful when you think you're standing firm. When you think you're strong, is what it's saying. When you think you're strong... You might fall. Really, you're going to fall. Amen. And, and so we think that we can stand or withstand temptation. And we don't say it that way. We say things like this. We say things, I, I know I, could, I can quit anytime I want. 
I can stop anytime I want. I, I can stop that. Whatever that is, I can stop anytime I want. So we say it that way. Or we, or we, may, we may say, you know what? It's really what I do. It's just a little bit. It's not going to hurt anybody. Um, and, and it's just a small amount. I'm okay. But the, tr- the problem is with temptation, if we're weak and temptation keeps coming our way, because we are weak, we will all fail. You hear this a lot today. You put us, any of us in the wrong situation, we all fail. Every one of us. None of us are able to withstand temptation. Right there, be careful. Don't think you can stand firm. Don't think you can handle it in your own strength because you can't. You're going to fall. You're going to fail if you do this in your own strength. And then it goes further. It says you are all tempted in the same way. In the same way all other human beings are being tempted. And so we're all weak and we are all tempted. Now, now we have a major problem. If we're all weak and if we're all tempted, that means we're all going to fall. We're all going to fail. That means that every one of us, because we're all tempted and because we're all weak, None of us will make it out of this earth, out of this world, out of this life, untainted. Man, I know you're like, man, this is hope right here, man. I'm so excited. (laughs) Hold on, we're going to get there, okay? I promise you. But too often, we think that we're tempted in areas that nobody else is tempted in and that we're dealing dealing with things that nobody else is dealing with. And the truth is that we're all dealing with something. And they all, the something looks different from every, or for every one of us. The something that we're dealing with, the temptation that comes our way, all looks different. We're all tempted by different things. And so when it says here, we are really, we're all weak and we're all tempted, that means that we're all going to fail. That means that we're all going to deal with different things. And sometimes we look at these things and we think one's worse than the other. It's just that the temptations that we have, some are more public than others. Yeah? Some are more public than others. And when things become public... For whatever reason, we attack it even though we're involved in the same things. You know, growing up, I remember um, it was a girl would get pregnant in the church. And all of a sudden, she would be ostracized. I wonder why we call it. Anyway, uh, so she'd be, you know, put off to the side or whatever. But she just got caught doing what most everybody else was doing. Amen. I mean, and it just became public. And, 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 and so we're all weak and we're all tempted, and, and so we got to be careful. So, so things like alcoholism that are public, because you can't always hide that drug addiction is, is a public thing. And those things are just as, as, as harmful as the things that some of us deal with privately. They're just as destructive, and we don't think that they are because we think as long as it's in secret that it will not destroy but it still will. It still can. And, and so, so here we are. We're weak and we're tempted. And, and so we could be tempted by alcohol, drugs. We could be tempted by lust. And, and we could be tempted by um, we could be tempted by eating. I mean, you could be tempted by eating at church. Last night, boy, I was tempted. And I think I failed. <sighs> anyway, 
So, so, so there's that, and man, that food was good though. If you missed last night's Thanksgiving meal, you missed. Oh, it was so good. Um, I'm just thinking, like they had Brussels sprouts with like lots of bacon. That was good. It was great. And so it was, uh, man, fantastic. Uh, um, apple pie in a frying pan. That was good. And corn, that corn stuff that Brent made was fantastic. I'm trying to make you hungry. Said you come next year. I'm just saying you missed. You missed. Okay. You just don't even know what you missed if you missed, but you missed, okay? But you see, that's temptation. Temptation. You could be tempted with hatred and bitterness. And we think that we're strong enough to withstand it. And so because we're weak and we're all tempted, we're all going to fail. But we think that we're stronger than we are. And so we do things like this. We'll go as far as we can and say, I'm going to stop here. So, for example, I'm going to have one drink. That's all I'm going to have. I'm going to have one. I'm only going to have one, and that's it. And then a 12-pack later, we're in trouble. Or, or if we're teenagers, I'm just going to make out a little bit. I'm only going to go this far. I'm only going to kiss. And the next thing you know, things have happened because they've gone too far. I'm only going to do a little. Or it doesn't even have to be teenagers if you're unmarried. You know, If you're not married and it's going too far. I mean, just because you're an adult now doesn't mean that it's not a sin to have sex outside of marriage. Amen. Okay, and so, so here it is. You're going too far. And... and, and you know, it's, you get called up in it. And we think that, hey, I'm strong enough. I can handle this. I'm going to flirt a little bit at work and everything's going to be okay because I'm just going to flirt. It's not going to go to the next level. And then it does. Because what we find and what we see is that temptation will grow to be more than we can take. You see here, it says, in Scripture, it says... Um, God won't let you be tempted more than you can, can take, but when you are tempted for more than you can take, he'll let you escape. And so the temptation will grow. It will increase. The desire will become more. Okay, so I'm on, let's say you're on a diet, okay? Some of you are on a diet. Some of us are always on a diet, and we're always failing. You ever met? That's like me. If you ever met somebody else like that, I'm always on a diet, but I'm always breaking the diet because I'm like, today's a cheat day, but yesterday was a cheat day, and tomorrow's going to be a cheat day. And the day after that will be a cheat day. The only day that I don't cheat is the day the food's not any good, and then I'm on a diet. But, I mean, I'm just being truthful, pouring out my soul today. Uh, so, man, and so, but if you're on a for real diet and you like chocolate cake, like day one of your diet, you're not really, you're not really tempted. You really don't want chocolate cake because yesterday you had chocolate cake. But, like, today you don't, so it's your first day without chocolate cake. But then tomorrow, it's two days, and so you're walking by this chocolate cake, and I don't know why you have chocolate cake on the counter anyway, but there's new chocolate cake all the time. I guess your family's not supporting you in this diet, okay? Yeah, thick is in. They're trying to keep you thick. Thick is in, okay? If, y'all, uh, if somebody calls you thick, it's a compliment, by the way. It's a compliment. It's a compliment, Okay? So, so there's the chocolate cake, and it's, they're breaking new it. And so you're walking by day after day, and at first it's easy, man. You just walk by, yeah, that's chocolate cake. It doesn't matter. And next thing you know, you're looking at the chocolate cake. And you're like, that's chocolate cake. Yeah, I haven't had chocolate cake in like a week. I'm just like, man, I wonder what kind of icing that is. And for me, it wouldn't be chocolate cake because I like the cream cheese icing. And it could be on chocolate cake, and that would be good. But anyway, so you're, you're walking by. And, and then like three weeks later, there it is, and you, and you notice you're staring at it. And then you may lift the lid up and be like, it's not going to hurt to smell because chocolate has that smell. You know that smell? And you're like, you smell. 
I do that to my students sometimes. We'll play a game, and the losers, like the winners get chocolate candy bars, and the losers can smell the bag. That's mean, isn't it? I know, but they're losers, so. <laughs> and so they open it up, and they, you're smelling it. And the next thing you know, you're like, I'm just get, I'm just gonna get, a, I'm just gonna lick my finger, just. And then the next thing you know, people has a, they have a piece of cake, and you're watching them like that weirdo, and they're just like, you're watching the fork go to their mouth, and they're like, stop watching me eat, and you're like, it looks so good. The next thing you know, you have a piece of chocolate cake, because temptation grows. And 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 so whatever that chocolate cake is in your life, it will grow. It will become more than you can take. We're weak, we're tempted, and that temptation will continue to grow. That means if we don't know how to handle temptation, we fail, we fall, we give in every time. Every time. It just continues to get to be more and more. And so in this, in the middle of all this, we see it says God is faithful. Just a small little sentence. God is faithful. You're like, hold on. I'm weak and I'm being tempted and the temptation continues to grow more than I can take and eventually it's going to be so much that I'm going to have to give in to it and now you're saying, saying that God is faithful. Well, God understands this more than, more than we get, okay? Look, look, the, if temptation grows, if temptation grows, and it gets to be more and more, and the desire continues to grow in us until it is dealt with either by God or by giving in, then we all fail every time. Like, like we give in to it eventually. So we don't know the full power of temptation because we give in. There's only one person that's ever lived on this earth that knows the full power, the full desire of temptation, and that's Jesus, because he never gave in, and it continued to grow. He understands temptation Better than we ever will. Better than we ever will. Because he never gave in. He never let it control him. And so if you think we serve a God that doesn't understand our plight in this temptation, we're wrong. So right here it says God is faithful. God is faithful to us because he understands what we're going through better than we do. And what does it say? It says, look. It says two things for us, that God will give a way of escape. There's two parts of this, okay? It says that he will not let you be tempted any more than you can take. Let's take this for a minute, take a side note. Sometimes people will use this verse to say that God will never put on you more than you can take. You've heard that, and that's total, uh, a total misunderstanding of this passage. This is talking about temptation. It's not talking about life. In fact... Often we will have more than we can handle. That's why we need Jesus. If God never put on us more than we can handle, we would never need God. So he puts on or allows us to have more than we can handle so we can understand our need for our daddy, our need for our father. When I say daddy, father, I mean God, heavenly father, Jesus, so that we can understand that. And so he will allow us to have more on us then we can handle. In fact, he says this, and, and temptation in the world is this because he says, don't anymore. If you're tired, if you're weary because the burden is too much for you, come to me and I will give you rest. I will exchange that heavy burden of the world in sin and I will give you a light burden. I will change the cruel master of the world and I will become a gentle master. 
So if you're weary, if you're tired, you shouldn't try to carry these things, the, the burdens of the world by yourself. Jesus paid for those things. And so next time somebody tells you, well, God will never put on you more than you can handle. And you say, that's a lie from Satan. So you can say, get behind me, Satan. That'd get their attention. You're like, man, just quoting Jesus, just quoting Jesus. Get behind me, Satan, and say, the Bible doesn't say that. That's why I need Jesus. But what he says is, I won't let you be tempted more than you can take. Which means, which means that we have a part in our escape or how we deal with temptation. We have a part in this. We have to resist. We are able to resist to a point. Okay, we don't have a power to resist the full temptation, the full power of temptation, but we can resist at the beginning. So we have a responsibility to resist. I look at it this way. You want a job, you need a job, you're praying for a job, but, and you're praying every night, God, please give me a job, but you never put a job application in anywhere. God's like, you got to do your part. Like, like I'm going to do my part, but you got to do your part. And so in temptation, we have to do our part and resist temptation in fact, we're going to see this run from temptation. We have to do our part, and then God will do his part, and his part is this. It says, I will, but I will give you a way of escape. But when, when you are tempted, talking about tempted more than you can take, when you can't do it in your own strength, it says, God will give you a way out or a way of escape. Like He'll give you a way out. And, and, and so how do we deal with temptation? We get out of the situation. Now, now, parents, this is a great gift that you can give to your kids. Be a way out. Be the excuse. We always told our kids that if you are ever in a place, ever in a situation, ever anywhere that you don't want to be, you don't need to be, you can use us as an excuse. It can look like this. My parents want me home. And that's true. I want them home. I don't want them in that situation. My parents don't want me going there. Of course, no. They, I can always be the excuse. Now, that means that you will be parents. That means sometimes people will hate you. Other, other, some of their friends won't like you because you're the strict, mean parents, right? Some of them, they won't like you. And so they, they, they won't understand. And you're going to have to burden that. You're going to have to put that on your shoulders and carry it. But I would rather a group of their peers hate me and my kids be okay. Yes? Shoulder that. Tell your kids today that they can always, that you can always be their excuse. Always. If they're ever in a place, if they're ever in a situation, that you can be their way of escape. Exactly what we're talking about here. Parents, you can be exactly what God has put in your student's life. Sometimes we don't give our students, we don't give our children a way of escape. And then we wonder, like, why do they keep falling into this? Why do they keep going here? Why do they keep doing this? But we've never given them help. We just fuss at them. We just scream at them. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's the place where God would say, okay, parents, you step in and you be, because you are what your kids need in order not to fall or continue to go into temptation. Also, this idea of way of escape, you need to put up, or when it says this way of escape has to do with running from temptation. We must run from temptation. Now, here's the problem that we have. 
Now, I have a problem with heights. Anybody else? You scared of heights? Yeah? Okay, I used to not be as scared as height, uh, of heights as I am now. I'm more scared of heights. I don't know why. I guess because I'm all bone now. Used to, I had a little cartilage, but I'm old. You remember when you were made out of cartilage? You know, you could fall out of buildings and not hurt yourself and get run over by a truck and be okay. You remember those days? Yeah, we're not that, you know, I'm not that way anymore. I'm brittle. I'm brittle at this point. And I guess, though, that fall is, it hurts the worst, and it takes me longer to heal. Um, but, but this summer, I worked with my uncle some, and we went two stories high, or two scaffolds high, which used to not be a problem. I'd run around. But when I got on that top of that second scaffolding this summer, I, everything clenched. Everything clenched. Like, I was holding on with everything. I, and, and I was moving around like, and my cousin's up there going, what you doing, man? What are you doing? He had a ladder. He put a, he put a ladder on the board and leaned it against the house to go even higher. And I was like, mm, out, not doing that. Scared of heights. So that means if I, I always want to go to the Grand Canyon. If, and if I were to go to the Grand Canyon, there's one thing I would not, or a few things I would not do. One of those things is if there's a fence there, I'm not going to go over the fence and go look over the edge. That's not going to be me. It's big enough to see from back there. Okay? Have y'all seen these idiots on, uh, you know, on Instagram and, and uh, you know, all the other, what, Snapchat and, and, and all, the, anyway, all of them, they, they're, they're going to the highest buildings and they're like hanging off and holding on by one hand and taking pictures. Y'all seen those guys? Man, I get nervous watching that. Just looking at the picture, I hate it. They made a movie about it where they climb the tower. If you've seen it, don't watch it. It's the worst two hours of your life. Oh, so terrible. Anyway, so there it is. It's uh, and, mm-mm. Now, here's what we do with sin and temptation. We ask all the wrong questions. Like, if I go to the Grand Canyon, I'm gonna, I'm, this is not what I'm, I'm not going to say. How close can I get and not fall off? And they're going to say, well, you can get real close. Like, here, you can hang your foot over. You're not going to fall. And I'm going to say, ah, here's the question. How far away do I need to stand so I don't fall off the cliff? And usually it's the suggested boundary is the fence, usually. Uh, but if there's not a fence there, I'm still going to stand far enough away that if I fall, I don't fall. You get what I'm saying? Amen. Too often we use temptation this way. We're tempted, and we go just as close to that edge as we can. And we dangle our foot over and go, I'm not giving in to temptation, but I'm getting as close as I can. I'm scared I'm going to fall right now, by the way. I'm putting my life in danger for illustration for you. I should be thankful. All right, so so the angle off right here. God's saying there's a, a time that you should run from temptation. When I give you an escape, run. Take it. If the building was on fire and you saw a sign that says exit, you don't sit there and go, hey, look, there's my way out, but I'm going to stay right here. You're going to run away from the danger and to the way of escape. And he said, this is how you deal with temptation. You resist it until you can escape it. And when you can't escape it, you get out. You run from it. Here's another thing you do to help with the temptation when you run from it is to set boundaries. Again, if I'm at the Grand Canyon, there's a wall there, there's a boundary. It knows I shouldn't go any further than that. If it says, they don't even need to put a sign up, do not climb fence, because I'm not. Because the Grand Canyon's there. 
There's some of you that are crazy and would like, I need a better picture, you know. And then, what are you doing? The fence is there so you don't die. I don't know what y'all doing. Anyway, so here's a fence. And so we need to put boundaries and fences in our lives, which means if we have a problem with alcohol, we need to make sure that we're not in a place where people are going to be drinking. You're putting a boundary up. You're putting a fence up. But like, you need to make sure that your people, like your friends and your family, know, hey, out of respect for me, you know, I know y'all usually drink a bottle of wine at Thanksgiving, but I'm coming and I have a problem. And if I see it, it's like somebody eating a piece of chocolate cake in front of my face. Can y'all please not do that this year for my health? And if they love you, they'll say okay. They'll say yes. And then if they say no, we're going to have it anyway, you might need to make a decision, a hard one to say, I can't come and eat with y'all. And they're going to think you're petty. They're going to think that I can't believe they're not coming just because you're going to have, we're going to have some wine. They won't come. It's better that they hate you than you fall. Because once you take that first sip, you don't know how, when that last sip will be. And then maybe, maybe it's, uh, maybe you, man, you're just a person that loves drama. Because there's some people that are addicted to drama. If there's not drama in their life, they make drama. Y'all know those people? And so, so you might need to put some boundaries up and, and have a friend that will just look at you and say, you better, you, we would say, you say, you better check yourself. You better make, hey, you're going down the wrong road. You're making drama. You're making something over nothing. Like there's nothing there, but you're making a big deal out of it. Let's drop it. Let's get over it. Let's move forward. Teenagers, y'all need this. Teenagers love Drama. Who broke up with who and who's talking to who. And I'm going to beat this person up because they're talking to this person. All the time I see it in middle school. So, so, so I, I shouldn't just say that. Adults, y'all are the same way. We're the same way. Put the boundaries up. Uh, and here we talk about this sometimes. People that we have uh, problems with lust. And that could be like pornography or it could be where you're lusting after somebody at work. You need to put boundaries up. Things like your phone. Look right here. See this? This phone should all, if you're married, this phone, I'm about to make somebody mad, okay? It's just, you're just going to be mad. Uh, but this is absolute truth. This phone, if you're married, this phone should always, my wife knows my code. In fact, we share a code. Sweet, isn't it? Oh, Her code's my code. And my code's her code. But she has access to this phone anytime that she wants. She can check the social media. She can text my text, check my text. She can check anything that she wants on my phone. If you are married and you won't let your spouse check your phone, there's a problem. You need to have a conversation because you're hiding something. Some of you are like, some of, and, and you got mad right now. You're like, I got my privacy. Not when you got married, you became one. Amen. <laughs> Men, well, how would you like this? Your wife comes to bed fully clothed every night and said, I got my privacy. You wouldn't like that, would you? Anyway, so, so wives, if your husband won't let you see your phone, don't let them see anything either. It's okay, y'all can laugh a little bit of that. Because men, we're visual, right? Teenagers, this is not your phone. Your parents pay for it. Anytime your parents want to see it, you need to let them see it. If you don't have a parent that will check up on it, you need to find an adult that will look at your phone and check in on your phone. I just turned my light on. 
let your light shine before me. Anyway, so, uh, guys, y'all got to pray for me. My ADHD is going crazy these days. I'm driving my wife crazy. I said it first service. She is, look at her. I'm driving her absolutely nuts. And anyway, I don't know what's going on. It's just, uh, but kids, you need to make sure that your parents can look at this or a trusted adult looks at your phone anytime you want. If you can't let them look at it, there's something that they're, that you're hiding. There's temptations and sin in your life you need to confess and get help with. Your parents should be able to look at your phone anytime you're like, privacy. No, as long as you live in my house and I pay you for bills, there's no privacy. Some of your parents, your parents are like, they'll be mad at me. Okay. You're not there to be the friend. You're there to be their parent. And if they stay mad at you all their life, they'll get over it by the time they're 25 and they'll love you again. Okay? But it's better that they hate you and are safe than love you and be addicted to pornography or look for relationships with other people that are inappropriate. Or worse than that, be having a conversation with somebody that wants to take a, kidnap them and take them somewhere. Serious stuff. Right here. Because it, we run from temptation, and part of that is confessing our sins one to another. Now, some churches get this all messed up. They make you come up to the front of the church, and they say, hey, my name is so-and-so, and these are the sins I'm committing. That is so dumb. Don't do that. If you ever go to a church and if you ever arrival, don't get caught up in the middle of that, okay? That's not what it means at all. That, that's cra- Man, your business will be all over Jones County. You do that here. Like, you start confessing it. If somebody's recording it, and it'd be, who knows? don't do that. That's dumb. What it means is that we confess one to another, one to another. You find someone you trust and love, and you're confessing these things one to another, a brother or sister in Christ, and y'all are praying about it. You remember what we said? Secrecy. Secrecy gives temptation power. And so as you remove that secrecy, you remove power. And so as you confess this to one another, you can then remove the power of the temptation because somebody can help carry that burden with you. Which means that if we're going to run from temptation, let me set up the boundaries and find help with one another, we have to also do this. Support one another as we're tempted. That means if somebody comes to you and they're dealing with temptation, that we realize this. The only reason that we're not dealing with that temptation that they're in is because we're not in the same situation as them. Because if we're put in the same situation that they're put in because we are weak, you're no stronger than they are. If you're put in that same temptation or that same situation, you will fall just like they did. And so we're here to support one another. There's nobody that's better than somebody else. It's just the situations are different. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe that he would would cheat on his wife or that person at work. And you work with all men, and you're a man. You're not in the same situation. You don't have the same struggles. I can't believe that they would get addicted to drugs and ruin their whole life. They didn't plan it. Like they didn't get their calendar out. Today I'm going to take drugs so I can ruin my life. It's not what they did. They were just like us. And one day they were in a situation that was too much for them to handle. And instead of turning to God, they turned to something else. To alcohol, to drugs, to lust, to, to, to overeating, to whatever it is. They, they were in over their head and they turned to something other to, than God. And they got addicted 
They fell into temptation. But there's hope as we support one another, as we confess these sins to one another, as we follow the escape that God gives us, there's hope. Because just because you're in it today doesn't mean you have to be in sin tomorrow. And just because temptation, you fail, you you give in to temptation today doesn't mean you have to give in tomorrow. There's a pivotal time in my life, and I can remember it vividly. It was why we started Connect Church. But there was a man, and and God changed my life. And and, and in a moment, the Spirit, sometimes, have you ever had the Spirit speak through you? And it's not your words, but as soon as you say it, you're like, where did that come from? And it made you change the whole way you see life. It happened to me. Um, in this in this example, there was a man who was dealing with alcoholism and was just praying with him on a weekly basis. And there had been several weeks that he hadn't that he had not drank anything, he hadn't gotten drunk, he hadn't drinking anything and drinking anything. Oh, that's terrible English. He didn't drink anything. And then he came to church and you could tell he's sad. You could tell he had guilt on him. You can tell he had this burden and he said, I got drunk this week. And without me even thinking, it's just the spirit. I was like, man, that's incredible. And he's like, well, you know, what in the world? Is inc- I got drunk. I said, I got drunk. I said, that's incredible. It wasn't quite that passionate, but, you know, it was one of those moments in my mind. I'm like, I got drunk. And he said, that's incredible. I said, you've gone three weeks without drinking, two and a half weeks without drinking. You've never done that before. That's huge. And then maybe next time it'll be six weeks. And maybe, maybe the next time it'll be 20 weeks. And in my mind, there was a change. I get it, temptation. And it brought to mind another conversation I had with a good friend of mine. She was addicted to meth. God saved her life and set her free from meth. But she says this. She said this one time, and it just always has stuck in my mind. She says, when the days are really bad, when the ra- days are really tough, I can taste the meth in my mouth. I can taste it in my mouth. Man. It's something we'll deal with all of our life, and all of our life we're weak. Amen. And all of our life we're going to fail here and there. And the trick is to to get up, dust ourselves off, and celebrate that God is setting us free eventually and over time. And just because I failed today doesn't mean I'll fail tomorrow. And I don't have to carry that guilt because God is setting me free. Look, God can, you don't have to carry that guilt because he says, that's my guilt. I went to the cross and I paid for that guilt. Some of us are dealing with these sins and we're embarrassed about them and we, we, we don't see any hope in it and we've tried to get out of it and like we try and we're good for a week or we're good for two weeks and then we try again, we're good for two weeks and then we just throw our hands up and say, I won't ever get away with it or get out of it. And so we dive head in. Like if I can't get out of it, I'm just going to enjoy the best of it. And the whole time our lives are being destroyed around us. God says, that doesn't have to be what your life is. And I get that sin is fun. And for me, there's a new illustration, and I, and I guess I'll stick with it till I get a new one. But sins like antifreeze, y'all know? You're like, antifreeze? Y'all know antifreeze is sweet. Y'all know that? It tastes sweet. Don't go try it because it'll kill you, by the way. Like, don't go drink it at all. It'll kill you. Old timers, the reason you know it's sweet is old timers, they used to 
dot their fingers on the, the, the engine, and they'd taste it, and then they'd spit it out. You shouldn't do that, by the way. I mean, I do that sometimes, but don't do that. It'll kill you. I just told you it'll kill you. But that's what sin does. Man, it's sweet going down. And then it kills. Then it destroys. It tastes good in the moment. And then your life falls apart. We do not, we do not, when it says deal with temptation, we do not have to always fall for temptation. There will be times that we do, but we do not always have to. And hopefully the times are getting further and further apart that we do. And God is giving us a way, and we're starting to recognize the ways of escape more and more and more. And we're surrounded by people that love us, that encourage us. It's like a race. I'm done. I don't know why this illustration came to mind, but it's like a race. Could you imagine watching your child run, and they're running a race, and they fall down? In our mind, I guess we think God looks at us and goes, you're a failure. You're terrible. If you were ever at a race, like a track meet, and that ever happened, and the parent goes, get up. You're terrible. Why did you fall down? What are you doing? It's not a parent. A parent would go, get up. Finish the race. You failed, but go. Finish the race. Even if the kid fell and then fell again and then fell again and then fell again, no parents is going to go, well, they're not going to make it, and they walk off. The whole time, like, come on, you got this. And I think that sometimes we feel like God's walked away from us, and God's the whole time, we failed and we failed. And God's like, you got this, you got this. Get up, let's run, let's go, let's race. You got the wrong idea of who God is. So today, get up and run. Get up. Get up and Run for the goal line. And if you fall, get up and run some more. And if you fall, get up and run some more. And guess what? If you fall, get up and run some more. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I thank you for today. And I pray you would. And whoever's life it is, I don't know. I just feel like somebody's dealing with this today. It's just a heavy burden that. Man, they feel like they've fallen too many times. And they're eat up with guilt. Lord, Father, I don't know who that is, but whoever it is, Lord, let them feel your love. Let them hear you scream. Get up and run some more. Let them know as a church that we're here not to, to, to condemn them. Not to fuss, but to come alongside you and say get up and run some more God don't let people be overwhelmed with grief and guilt shame let them experience victory and freedom today Lord not that we have strength but that you have strength and as temptation comes our way let us see this way of escape. Let us run. Let us get out. Let us rely on you. God, you're too good to us. 
church stand and as we sing this song, some of you need to hear it. Man, your life, you're overwhelmed. But in the middle of this overwhelming feeling, in the middle of this failure, God is still good to us. Some of you need to come and just sit at the feet of our Father and just say, I, I'm dealing with this temptation and I've dealt with it for a long time and I need help. I need you to take this burden off of me. Some of you have family members and friends that are dealing with things. And they, they feel like they are captive. That there's no way out. That you can come and pray for them. But no matter what happens in this life, God is for you. He is not against you. You respond as the Spirit moves.